Welcome to Digital Transformers, the show that connects you with what you need to build, manage, and operate your digital supply chain. Join your host in a timely discussion on new and future business models with industry-leading executives. The show will reveal global customer expectations, real-world deployment challenges, and the value of advanced business technologies like artificial intelligence, blockchain, and robotic process engineering. And now, we bring you Digital Transformers. Hello, everyone. This is Kevin L. Jackson, and welcome to Digital Transformers on Supply Chain Now. Today's show is sponsored by AT&T Business and the 2022 AT&T Security Conference presented by the AT&T Chief Security Office. During this year's conference, experts from AT&T government, industry, and across the security spectrum helped explore how we can secure the everything. If you missed this year's event, you can still catch it on demand at securityconference.att.com. So on today's show, I am honored to have one of my favorite event speakers, Ms. Chatrice Mosley-Romero, Director of Indiana Security Council. Chatrice works collaboratively with public and private stakeholders to administer the development and implementation of the state's cybersecurity strategy and policy through the Governor's Executive Council on Cybersecurity. Prior to her current role, she was the Executive Director of External Affairs for the Indiana Utility Regulatory Commission, where she led the public relations, policy, and consumer affairs Welcome to the show, Patrice. Oh, I'm happy to be here. I mean, when you read my bio, I'm just super tired all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you have a very impressive, impressive career. Uh, uh, yes, I'm glad. But before we dig into your cybersecurity role for the state, how did you get there? Where did you start in your career? And how did it actually lead you to your current position? Yeah, it's quite an amazing story when you like consider um, when like when I'm talking, especially to students, right? Mm -hmm. um, and we're always talking, and, and professors always telling them like cybersecurity, how you can get into cybersecurity can come from a variety of ways, right? right. So, uh, so I always kind of do the how many of you think my background's IT, and everybody thinks my background's <laughs> IT, and I am actually a liberal arts major um, in communications as well as a journalism major in public relations. Um, through the Indiana University. So, um, so I, I come actually from public relations, crisis communications, business strategy, um, external affairs, policy, and, and this role kind of came about in a kind of an interesting way through my position at the Utility Regulatory Commission. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think at the very basic uh, basis of it, it really just kind of comes to the problem. You know, when you look at the problem of cybersecurity is we're looking at what Verizon report says 80 to 85% now is all human error. Um, the, pro the, the solution is not more tech, right? The solution is having somebody who understands people, having understand uh, somebody who understands how to um, strategically align um, things that are happening on the technical side, along with things that are happening on the human side, and just being able to approach it, I think, from a 
much more collaborative sense, and then ready to basically deal with a bad day, right? That's where my crisis communication kicks in. So it's been an interesting road. I think if you would have told me um, in college or even my first job as a public relations specialist that I would end up to be the cybersecurity director for the state of Indiana, which I'm the first in this role. So it wasn't even a a role that even existed. I would have been like... (laughs) You don't understand me. I don't. I have. I'm. I don't know how to turn on my computer half the time. Um, so it's uh, it's quite a remarkable um, kind of way I got here. But it's uh, it's quite. It's been an amazing ride, and and I love what I do. And and you know, unfortunately, I mean, I think cybersecurity is going to be where I end out because um, as once you get into cyber, it's just kind of hard to leave. Well, one thing you you mentioned. I mean, liberal arts and communications isn't that one of the most important aspects of cybersecurity, though? Absolutely. Yes, I would agree. I think, you know, a lot of times people think it's all about the the um, the certificates or mm-hmm. the tech side of it. Um, but really, it comes down to, and I always tell, and, and you'll have any employer and any university is always looking for the critical thinkers, the ones that communicate something complicated and simplify it. Um, the ones that can think outside the box. Yeah. Um, and so I, I use on a daily basis the skills I, I, use, I learned from my, my, you know, bachelor's in, in liberal arts. So, um, so it's kind of a funny world, right? Um, yeah. I think it, but I think it took a while for tech to kind of realize that, right? I mean, you know, typically in executive councils um, in government, it was led by like, you know, tech people. And technical, while that's yeah. great. And they're most certainly the amazing subject matter experts that I count on on a regular basis. Um, sometimes that, you know, there is a stereotype out there that tech people are not the best communicators. Tech people are not the best <laughs> right, people. people. Right. Um, so, um, so I think, um, I think my ability to kind of cross, cross over to from both sides and have a deep understanding um, of the human side of things has really allowed Indiana to really, um, really be able to improve its stature in cybersecurity in the nation. I tell you, that's something I always say about myself. My superpower is being able to translate complex technical aspects into something that's Sounds like English. <laughs> yes, I agree. Yes, I agree. <laughs> and according to the Executive Council website, your task also includes forming an understanding of Indiana's cyber risk profile and identify priorities, establishing a big word strategic framework for of Indiana's cybersecurity initiatives and leveraging the body of talent to stay on the forefront of cyber risk environment. Wow, that that sounds like a Herculean task. How does that that look from your viewpoint, really? It's, you know, um, I have the most amazing... um, Wine collection. No, 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 not wine collection. <laughs> well, you um, may need a wine collection. I, I may need one, yes. <laughs> they get um, today, right? <laughs> definitely have great coffee. Um, but, uh, but I, you know, the council is made up of people that I have worked very hard um, in my position and mm-hmm. within government to empower them. That's not something that's very comfortable for government to do sometimes, to bring in subject matter experts um, within the council, we have 200, like more than 250 members on the council. And that's not because I was looking for a prize for how crazy can you get Shatrice? Um, But it really, you know, when we looked at cybersecurity 
um, from the beginning of, of my role as I, as I developed this, the framework in which we work right now, um, you know, it really wasn't going to work if we focused on just one section, right? Okay. I mean, technology is moving so fast, right? So some states, because of resources, because of access to collaborations, may only be focusing on workforce development or economic development or maybe a certain sector or maybe they're focusing inward, right? They're, they have sectors in the room to get best practices to to push to to learn from and use within their state networks and also maybe push down some of those best best practices to local government networks. But what I found was in cybersecurity, we need the whole ecosystem involved. I mean, we really do need to attack the whole elephant. Okay. Now, how you how you go about that is you're not having 30 people that represent a whole sectors um, and, and really honestly in an unfair way, right? Because even if the the person who you know is coming from a small organization or a big organization, mm-hmm. um, either way, they still won't completely understand what it takes to do cybersecurity in the most efficient way and the most effective way for the opposite organization, right? So a big company, while they may understand and sympathize, um, you know, with with the others that are mm-hmm. in small companies, they with cybersecurity changing so much. We really need everybody at the table, right? So it was really, really important for me that we had not just the breadth of cybersecurity knowledge on the council, um, which is what most states do and absolutely understand um, why they stopped there, but um, because it is a lot of work, but it, it was so important for me to have the depth and to allow people to be um, experts within their right, right? So for mm-hmm. example, you know, I always kind of tell people, you don't give, you don't go to, you know, you don't have your CIO write your news releases, right? You don't have your right. CIO do crisis communications and you don't have your CIO writing your cyber incident response plan um, for the entire organization because that's an operations item, right? That's typically what the CEO or it's an emergency manager or right. the writing of news releases with your PR, right? So why would we not approach cybersecurity in a strategic way with those various pieces involved, right? So we have 15 committees, all with the depth of knowledge and within each of those committees. So we have a committee with that deals with emergency response. And who, who staffs that committee? It's not CIOs and CISOs. It, it's emergency responders who have been doing it for decades, right? Who mm-hmm. understand and the, the, how to simplify emergency management and principles for cyber incident response planning that others can use that will never hire an emergency manager because that's not in their, their, you know, cards, right. For the organization because they're too small. Right. Um, and then likewise um, we have, you know, finance and we have, you know, utilities and, you know, water ener- energy um, elections. Why are we, why would we combine all those groups and not allow them to be able to um, speak with people that they, that understand their world to figure out the solutions of incorporating better cybersecurity practices in their sector. And then the amazing bonus of the council is that when a, when a sector does that, um, mm-hmm. because I'm kind of seeing that's all happening, maybe a sector is thinking about doing um, a best practice manual on SCADA systems, right? Um, but part of that has cyber hygiene principles, right? And ge- like generic cyber hygiene principles. Right, right. Well, Maybe they're doing that in utilities, but um, but what finance is actually doing something very similar, except they're just focusing on cyber hygiene principles. Why would we not connect those people um, in a strategic sense so that they're, we're not creating additional work? I'm, I'm a huge, not do not believe in recreating the wheel. Um, and I'm also been in government my, my entire career, right? So 
I'm used to doing things with no budget. So you also kind of be, <laughs> be, be thoughtful of how, how it really works out on the ground level. Right. So, um, and it has worked just, just so greatly. And so how I can do the Herculean tasks is, is I am just surrounded by really great people. Um, and, uh, and it is just me overseeing the whole, the whole council. I have a communications manager who runs our website and runs our um, social media, but right. from the strategic sense of things, it is just one person for the state of Indiana. Um, but it's, it's amazing when you, when you're surrounded by the right people. So. Well, when you said you had like 200 people, the first thing that popped into my mind was what she has someone from every town and every County. And, and then I thought about it. I said, well, a uh, response from Indianapolis area, an urban area, to cybersecurity would be different than a rural county. I know we're going to talk a little bit more about that, but um, is that an important part of your diversity on the council as well? Absolutely. Actually, every committee is required to have certain certain um, demographics. So okay. you're required to have a large organization within that sector, a small organization, association, you're required to have regional representation of Indiana because, you know, sometimes capitals like Indianapolis get mm -hmm. really stuck on everything that stays in the capital is, is the capital, but they're making decisions that affect the whole state, right? right. And the way that that northern Indiana operates and um, from, um, from a population perspective, from a collaboration perspective, because our northern Indiana is connected to Chicago, I mean, a lot of things, factors are different from you know, Evansville in our Southern Indiana, that is, you know, on the, on the border of, of the Southern states. So, mm -hmm. so when, when you're looking at that, we're like, we need representation to have a good understanding. And when we develop the state strategy plan that I can honestly say, our plan is a state strategy plan. It's not a plan developed okay. by the state that is the state, um, but doesn't quite include the states. And, and that's, what was important too. So, um, so it's, it was very important for me to have diversity different, different perspectives, even mm -hmm. perspectives. It's quite amazing. I have a legal insurance team where they have competing law firms coming up and developing projects together that is, benef is beneficial not only to themselves, um, but for everyone. And, and the fact that you can do that where typically, you know, lawyers, you, you imagine lawyers, which I've still not met a lawyer exactly like this, the ones that the <laughs> government, but yeah. they're like, well, how much are you paying me 50, every 15 minutes, right? Um, you know, you have some amazing lawyers that that really do um, love the law, but they want to figure out how can they simplify it. Um, and I appreciate you talking about being able to simplify it. You know, I always kind of go back to the Einstein quote of, you know, to, if you really understand a subject, you can simplify right. it. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so it always kind of is a red flag to me if somebody can't get there. Right. I can help with it. But if they can't get there, it makes me wonder, OK, do they really understand? Can we really distill a, such a complex, you know, aspect of right. cybersecurity into something that can be usable for the the community that is just never going to hire a CISO, um, and it's just not going to be in their cards anytime soon. So how can we help them in small organizations, medium-sized organizations, um, in our critical infrastructures? Right? These yeah. are these are things that are the backbone of our society, the backbone of our communities. Um, you know, we're not. You know, um, we're not. Um, purposely going for just things that aren't helpful. But, you know, at the same time, I always kind of, whenever I look at things personally, I review things. I'm always like, 
all right, does a local government, can a local government use this? And bonus, can a, can a small business use it? How does, you know, Debbie's Cupcake Store use this or use this information, right? Because, um, you know, Debbie's Cupcake Store is just never going to hire a cybersecurity firm. They're never going to hire a CIO. They're going to yeah. hire another baker. That's their, that's their world, right? Um, and appropriately so. Um, so, um, so I always kind of use, do things from the lens and I'm grateful that the council members also view things from that lens. So they're always thinking, all right, we have these best practices, these large, amazing organizations that have countless numbers mm-hmm. of cybersecurity people in there to do their job and develop training and develop these, you know, pra- practices. Um, how can we simplify that for and, and package it for the person who just will never be at that point? Well, I tell you, we're talking about the difference between a northern part of the state and the southern part of the state. Hey, I'm here in uh, Virginia, uh, just outside of Washington, D.C., <laughs> and you would think that southern Virginia would want to uh, excommunicate us or something because yeah. things are so different in northern or northern Virginia than it is from southern Virginia. But but you are, yeah, you are also tasked, however, with co- uh, collaborating with other states to protect, you know, personal and, and government data that's stored on state systems, <clears throat> as yep. well as like developing statewide plans to combat cyber attacks against these uh, these information technology networks. How do you tackle that requirement? I mean, is it is it easy to to work? like risk the state of Virginia or California or, or Mississippi? Yeah. You know, I always kind of, I, I joke, but it's true. Um, you know, the best part of working in government is you don't have a net profit, right? Um, the worst part of government is you don't have a net profit. Um, so, uh, so, you know, when you're, you know, the best part of my job, one of the best parts of my job is, is, being able to help the people that we were talking about, being able to grow students and, and be able to mentor them. And the next one to that is being able to just give all my templates and all my advice and all my lessons learned to other state counterparts that are trying to do the same thing. Um, and I've done that over the years. You know, people are like, how do you do this? We, we can't even get the regulator and the utility in the same room. And you have multiple regulators and utilities in the same room, right? Mm-hmm. Um and so, you know, I give them advice. I kind of, you know, it's it's a complicated waters when it comes to, you know, regulators and and the regulated and government and private sector and vendors, right? Um, but I just found um, that being transparent and right. sharing best practices is the best that we can do, right? And and just being there because it's a hard job. Um, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't pay nearly the amount of money that other cybersecurity professionals make. But I would say that it, the impact of it is is quite amazing and important, and it's just needed when it comes to the kind of threats that are out there. Um, and you know, from our perspective, and that's not just myself. I know mm-hmm. that our office technology works a lot with other um, states in sharing best practices. I know that our Indiana Department of Homeland Security do, does the same, um, and they support each other. So, so you know, you look at yeah, it's fifty states, but it is just fifty people who are doing this, you know, similar things. So, you know, it, it's, it's helpful to know that one, you're not alone. And two, right. there are, are things you can learn from each other. And I always tell people when they meet with me, like, listen, 
I'm not going to be offended if you're like, that was that that's dumb for our state because your state can be totally different than us. Right. So take what you like and leave the rest. And I think that's a benefit that at least um, if we kind of just keep an open door and collaborate, um, you know, the beauty of cybersecurity for me is um, it's apolitical. I mean, that okay. really, it, so, you know, when you're dealing with other states that may be dealing with their own politics and, you know, that kind of thing, when it comes to cybersecurity, it, it does become much more ones and zeros. And when we deal with the issue of cybersecurity, which is people, I mean, the way that people learn um, and communicate is the same across the world, right? The way that right. we respond to emotional things, the way we respond to, I mean, it's, it's, it's a study, right? It's psychology, right? It's psychiatry. So, so we can learn a lot um, in, those, in those aspects through, you know, psychology, um, sociology, to really learn how can we make an effect on a larger population um, with regards to cybersecurity, cyber hygiene, and just protecting yourself. Well, you know, I'm sorry, but you kind of opened a door there that I'm hesitant to go through (laughs) in that you said that uh, cybersecurity is apolitical. I mean, a couple of years ago, I thought healthcare and and medicine was apolitical, (laughs) and we found that to be not quite true. So how does this politics get into, you know, cybersecurity? Oh, yes. And when I say it's apolitical, I mean the nature of the core of it is apolitical. Mm-hmm. It, leave it to humans to mess that all up, right? <laughs> um, to, to muck up and add the grade to the ones and zeros world, right? Right, right. Um, And I completely agree. And yes, I mean, I think with um, the federal government doing all the great stuff they're doing, um, you know, there's still distrust from some groups, right? And you know, that happens in state government. That happens in local government. You know, the politics right. between local their local governments and the state governments have always been complicated in all states. And um, and in that Indiana's no no exception, right. but we are working really closely with local governments to figure out how do we break that barrier down? Because yes, in other areas, we, we have, you know, I always tell local governments, I'm not saying the state's perfect. The state sometimes does and do, does things that just hurts you guys. And mm-hmm. there doesn't seem to be apology following. Right. Um, <laughs> um, but you know, I I've gone into meetings to say on behalf of the state, I'm sorry, let's, let's try to do the right thing with cyber, right? Let's try mm-hmm. to focus on cyber and be like, be the, the case study that shows that if we approach it with, with empathy, if we approach it with empowerment, if we approach it with, listen, we know that you love your community. You want to, you know, secure it. We right. want to do the same thing. We may come from different, you know, backgrounds, but at the end of the day, this is the goal, um, and focus on that. I think there's a power to that, um, and I just think that um, as politics get more involved in cybersecurity, because it definitely is the issue that's not going to go away. Uh-huh. Um, we just got to remember, from my perspective, the core reason is we need to protect our critical infrastructure. We need to protect. Um, the people of of our nation and um, and what what are we talking about and is it going to serve that main purpose right yeah, yeah. Um, and how can we not just serve that main purpose but empower those that you're trying to task with these these things right and making sure that they have everything they need to do the best that they can um, with everything so um, mm. so I think that's that's kind of how I approach politics um, which is probably why I've 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 worked under several governors. Um, I really kind of just lean in on the, you know, 
I'm not here to be political. I'm here to show you that this is this is the expertise I have, and here's quantitative results of the success, and here's what I can do for the people of Indiana because that's who I serve. Um, and um, and it's it's been a blessing most certainly, and and um, I've been very lucky that everyone's kept me around. <laughs> <laughs> well, you certainly have a a great viewpoint and a great attitude. I really love that about you. The, the other thing is that, like, during the AT&T CSO conference, you spoke on something that I think is a real passion of yours, and that's uh, managing risk and the digital divide. Um, in its most basic form, the digital divide was defined as the opportunity gap between those with reliable internet access and, and those without it. What is it to you and, and how has this manifested itself in Indiana? Yeah, I mean, I think across the nation we're, we're, we're hearing about the broadband, right? The right. Getting, getting internet and the internet of things, right? So it's not just internet and like they're gonna just open up and the, the floodgates open to data, right? But they're, they're also gonna open up to things like smart TVs and smart security systems, things they wouldn't other, otherwise be able to run mm -hmm. without having the backbone of the infrastructure of the, of the tech, right? So it is really important to me when I'm having discussions with, with leadership of the state and, and, and um, in the private sector in that area, especially communications, when we're talking about, hey, this is great that we're doing this. And I'm a big believer. You know, there are some in cybersecurity that's like, nobody should do anything. You shouldn't be on any social media. You should like <laughs> right. go off grid. You should like, like uh, you know, put your head in the hole in the ground. Exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> find your bunker and get in there. Right. Um, the thing is, is I'm, you know, I'm a mother of four. Like, okay. even if I tried to be off grid, I, I can't because the teachers require me to have an app to do daily communication, right? <laughs> right so, right. Um, you know, if even, even though I would like to not have to be on Facebook, that that's the way that I get events for certain things, right? Um, that's a way that I do stay connected with people I otherwise wouldn't be connected with because I'm so busy doing that whole this whole job um, and being a mother. So um, so I always kind of approach it with the answer is not to not do it. The answer is let's do it. Let's increase our technology. Let's embrace it. But um, but we, we need to also embrace education alongside it, not an mm. afterthought but along with it, right? So we're bringing broadband into an, an interactivity into the rural areas that have never, like, I think it's hard for people in urban areas where it's natural for us. We're like, we right. can't even imagine a life without being able to easily connect, right? We get annoyed if like after five episodes on my Netflix past the, the when Netflix starts <laughs> judging me, Netflix starts, does, does like a little, you know, pause for five seconds. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the worst thing in the world. It's We're, buffering again. I know it's buffering again because all my devices are on because I have four kids. Um, and, you know, I, you know, it's easy to get stuck in that and not realize that there are communities here in Indiana that people still have to walk five miles to get to the library to have, you know, really crappy internet service, right? But mm -hmm. that's how they're getting it, right? Um, and so as we are, as we are improving that divide and we're, 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 we're crossing that, it's so important that we also teach these people who are brand new to cyber in a lot mm -hmm. of ways, right? They don't have the infrastructure that we have now. They don't have the smart technology that they're going to have, right? They, this is an opportunity that's saying, hey, with, with this great power comes great responsibility, yeah. right? You're going to get 
this amazing, um, amazing gift that, that smart people have developed around the world. And now we have this where it's nothing like it was 20 years ago or 40 years ago. Um, but, um, but with it comes, here's how to protect yourself with it. Here's precautions to start with, right? So we should be educating them alongside, if not a little bit of head when they get that, so that they're starting off on the right foot on protecting their identity, protecting the organizations, and, and as importantly, protecting our critical infrastructures, right? Yeah. As, um, as critical infrastructure in those areas are also coming online. So, so yeah, I'm very passionate about that because I feel like, um, you know, it's, it's a difficult responsibility to take to provide these services. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel it's just as much of a responsibility to provide education around those services. Well, one thing you really highlighted during your talk at the conference was the difference between rural and urban populations in Indiana. The thing that caught my attention was your observation that rural families actually limited the number of computers that they had in their homes in order to conserve bandwidth. Yes. How how does that even translate in an IoT world based on entertainment and smart appliances and connected cars in the garages and your connected home? Yeah. I mean, I speak, I'm, I'm working right now on a local government pilot and kind of, again, figuring out that barrier between, um, and one of the things I'm learning is, you know, a lot of times the, the only connectivity they have is their smartphone and it's a smartphone that they may be getting from their government because they work for the government, right? Their, their local government um, or their local government may have six computers in its entire wow. local government. Um, and yes, they're super old computers. And yes, they, they definitely probably need a lot of help in the cybersecurity infrastructure side. But again, that's been their world. They're, they're basically, I always kind of imagine, tell people, imagine local, rural Indiana as, um, as what we were 20 years ago. That's where Mm. they're at. Right. So, um, you know, uh, you know, the good old dial up tones and the good old, like, you know, having to, when we started getting smart technology before um, fiber, before those kind of upgrades were made 5g, we, we were also struggling with keeping, (laughs) you know, keeping our online, having a computer going and a smart TV going. Um, and, and so with the population, um, various populations, again, that has never had this before, um, they're making adjustments to them themselves, but um, how are we also helping them make adjustments to their security posture and their cyber hygiene, um, which is which is I think so critical on on protecting themselves and also better using the systems because you know I always kind of like to think the backbone of the system is still vulnerable if everyone mm-hmm. on the system is vulnerable. So we want to be a cognizant of strengthening the lowest the lowest common denominator, and and that is just people, so. Oh, no, you're, you know, it sounds like you're saying that, you know, people are still doing dial-up and listening to, you've got mail. I mean, it's kind of weird. What's with such a, a wide gap uh, in yes. society? How how does the state address education around cybersecurity and cyber hygiene? I mean, that's just... Um, that's that's so different. Yeah, if I had my wand and all the money in the world, <laughs> it would be a personal delivery of a fun fun thing um, with a new laptop computer that has all secured and everything taken care of. But mm-hmm. I don't have that. So um, 
you know, I would say cybersecurity can't be solved by one entity alone. Um, state of Indiana is is most certainly shouldn't be the only one solving this. You know, I really rely, and I think our communities and our partners appreciate the fact that um, as a cyber director, I really rely on their expertise and their collaborations and their organizations that are in the communities, that serve the communities, that are are, are developed, that are funded by the communities, and they're well-connected into those areas, right? So the right. tree's coming down and saying, this is what you should be doing while, you know, while entertaining may not hit home, but a friend of the families who also is, you know, um, works at the university that is doing a cybersecurity program and hygiene program education, giving that to key people, members of that local community is going to be well, more well, well received and more effective. And so I think one of the things that I've learned is people, we have to connect people with the, the people that they trust um, word of mouth is still the number one way of things getting through, right? So mm-hmm. as government, I can say over and over, I think the federal government the same way, right? Like we can say over and over, these are the things you have to do. But until somebody that you care about says it, it just doesn't stick as much as it, as, it, as we would hope so. So the way that I approach that is collaborations. We have to, we have to collaborate. We have to see empower people with the right messages that we're all consistent and we have to just let them go we don't you know from my perspective i don't require my council members to approve every single thing through me i let my council members know hey you go go forth and do great things and just come back so that we can also all like celebrate in your win but also learn from your win so that others that are looking for that same kind of thing can learn from it and maybe use it too right um and i just found that that has is the better way, um, the best way that I've seen in my career um, versus, you know, just only the state owns it, the state, you know, pushes it out, the state controls the message. Um, With cyber hygiene, the message is pretty consistent across the board, right? Multi-factor, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. User access, good passwords, you know, updates, unpatch, and have your backups and have a plan. I mean, no matter what, an area of industry, it's the same key ones, right? Um, at least at the very top that take care about a majority of the cyber attacks. So let's start with the simple things too. Let's not go in and start talking about, you know, putting in a bunch of systems and doing these check things and stuff like that. I mean, not to say that that isn't what we should be doing, but let's start with the human aspect of it, not clicking the link. Let's do let's do cyber education <laughs> in a fun way. Okay. Um, and also, let's start talking to our younger generations about cyber education, because at the end of the day, um, they're the ones that are going to be taking on this this digital divide that's smaller and smaller and running with it. So what does the next generation look like in cybersecurity? Um, and I really believe that you'll have the people who enable cybersecurity and the technical side of things. But other than that, we should all be cyber ambassadors at the very least um, in, in just being aware of what we can do for ourselves and our family and organization to protect it. And if everyone's doing that little, what, what is a little in for individuals, mm-hmm. I mean, how powerful can that be? Right. It's kind of that whole, uh, you know, drop in the ocean. Well, drops are just drops until it's an ocean. So. Well, tell me, it sounds maybe all our cybersecurity leaders should have a liberal arts background. I mean, it's, <laughs> Yeah. I would, you know, I would probably, I, I could probably argue that. Yes, I could probably uh, back that up. So you, you, you mentioned the human side of cyber. 
uh, quite a few times. But uh, when the governor established this council um, for cybersecurity, was that, you know, part of their thought process? Um, what does it really mean to address the human side? You talk about training and education, yes, but how does your office really focus on the human side? So I have found this with, uh, with, with learning with this, this, this pilot has just been so amazing already because mm-hmm. what I've learned is it's not enough to have your CIO or, or equivalent, your IT director and your leadership to understand the importance of cyber, right? And push right. down the policies because policies to the day-to-day employee are just that. They're just policies, right? It's like, you know, it's like a, a pirate's thing. It's just, it's a guide, not really law, yeah. right? Just kind of yeah. what, what they consider, right? What I have found though, is when I speak to the middle management, when I speak to the people who have direct connection to the people that are running, running everything, uh-huh. um, that when I, when I connect with them through, hey, it's important from a perspective that we talk of regularly about how important they are in the organization and how important it is that they protect the organization, right? But here's the thing. People pay attention to that, and they sometimes will pay attention to that, but leave it at home, leave it at the office when they go home. So, what if we connect to people in the people world, right? Let Let's connect to the parents who care about their kids online, right? Let's connect to the people who are about to retire, who wants to protect their assets and their finances, and that's the stuff that the bad actors are going for. Let's mm-hmm. Let's look to see how you know um, how people will protect their elderly parents and their grandparents. Um, and the people they love and care most about, right? And I feel like if we focus more on the human side of things, we focus more on what makes us human, which is the people we care about, the things we care about, our future, our dreams, those kind of things, all those skills that we're teaching them there, don't click mm-hmm. the link, use multi-factor in your social media, um, you know, um, make sure you're backing things up, not on the same computer if you care about all those pictures on your computer, right, right of your loved ones, those kind of things translate perfectly into the organization, right? Doesn't always go from the organization home at, at, that we see. So, so I feel like when we when we talk about the human factor side, we need to interlace cybersecurity into the culture of an organization okay. at every level of the organization, but not through the organization's you know advantage and perspective, but through the people and the employees and their lives. Um, where we can really address the thing because that's where behavior change happens, right? When people yeah. are motivated to protect the things that the things they care about, the people they love, they change habits. If you're just if you're telling a disgruntled employee, don't click the link or you're going to take down our company, what what do you think that a disgruntled employee is going to do? Probably nothing, <laughs> right? They're going to be like, more. well, that's your problem, not mine, right? I guess right, I right. still get to leave at five o'clock, you know. So I feel like um, that's one side. What's one element of it? And then I really do believe in the child, the, the children, you know, I feel like if, you know, much like the drug campaigns, you know, the mm-hmm. dare campaigns, right. Um, you know, or like smoking campaigns or the fire, you know, the fire alarm campaigns, you right. have kids coming home and telling their parents um, that, Hey, you know, I, I noticed we use the same password for everything. We shouldn't be using the same password. Anyone can get our information, you know, like sure. how they're teaching kids, their parents, they're right? teaching their parents <laughs> and that's a powerful thing. Right. And more importantly, those kids are going to grow up to be parents that will have mm-hmm. that innately that, or will have that 
um, in them so that they can, um, they can also then teach the next generation. So how do we change cybersecurity culture in our, in our society? We have to start at really looking at the people, which is the biggest problem of cyber, but addressing them like people and not just like additional points, endpoints on a system. Um, so and I feel are, like that's the way to do that. So you you want to create digital natives, I guess. I, Right. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> but it's get clear ingrained. that government, yeah, get ingrained into it. And it's yeah. clear that government plays a significant role in, in helping society transition to our connected future. But yeah. does that align, does that role really align with industry's profit minded uh, focus? I mean, if, if you're not making money, you're not going to have a job. How does government and industry play together in the same sandbox of cybersecurity? You know, I, I get that question a lot because I have so many people at the same table, again, that regulars and regulated, right? right? And, and at the end of the day, the risk is still the same across the board. You know, um, you know our, for example, you know, energy energy um, companies are don't want the energy grid to go down. Regulators don't want the energy grid to go down. Right. Um, the goal is still the same, and right. and the so you know incorporating cybersecurity into the culture of an energy company, um, whether it's being required by regulators or not, even on their own, we're finding industry is saying we need to get incorpor this incorporated into our culture because we need the person to care about and learn and change their behavior to be more cautious online to be more cautious about what they're putting in our system, be more cautious about what they're clicking to make sure that they are enabling multi-factor and those kind of things. So, so it is, I think um, it's a kind of a mutually beneficial mm. goal. And I think that's where a lot of our collaboration hits. It's, it's a mutually beneficial goal. Um, there's no talk outside of what our main goal is within our, our, our um, um, council. It really is all about that and everything else that, you know, is going on outside of that where they may be, you know, they may be at each other um, a little bit for right. um, just people put people. I'm again, I'm very lucky. People just put that aside for, for the cybersecurity discussions and they just jump in and want to make the difference. So I think it, it isn't going to be as hard. I think when it gets difficult for industry and government is when government goes down the path of regulation mm. um, and regulation, while it has its place, most certainly you know, I do feel like, again, if we're looking for the mutual benefits for all of us working together, like we have in Indiana, we can do a lot without um, without laws being written, right? Like nothing, yeah. you know, forced us to all work together. Um, it was really literally just me saying, hey, I know you care about this. I care about this. Tell me what you want um, that makes it better for you. Um, I'll tell you what, what I think might make it better. And if we disagree, let's figure out and understand each other why we disagree. And maybe we walk away from that part of it and maybe we don't. Um, and I think that just that, that respect um, of understanding where everybody is, it makes a, make it makes a big difference. Wow. I'll tell you, I really appreciate you sharing your insight and knowledge about the human side of cybersecurity. But unfortunately, our time has come to an end. I could talk with you forever on this, but, um, and I'm sure the audience wants to learn more. So can you tell the audience how to reach out to you in order to uh, follow up and to become better liberal arts practitioners? <laughs> 
<laughs> when it comes to cybersecurity. Yes. Yeah, so, um, so the website that we have for the state of Indiana is in.gov slash cybersecurity. Okay. So I would definitely go there that has our strategy, that has our appendices toward the strategy, that literally the templates that I used. Again, all about, you know, transparency where it's appropriate. Um, mm -hmm. And um, and then my information, um, I'm sure you can post on on thing, but um, yep. but you can look me up on LinkedIn um, or um, Romero, CLM at IOT.in.gov. Um, and I'm more than happy to talk to people who are passionate about this. Um, I want to learn from people. I want to, you know, if you, you people find or even you, uh -huh. Kevin, find a great, you know, article or here's a different perspective than you. I want to know that because that's the only way we get better at this is learning from each other. Okay, great. And we will definitely put your contact information in the show notes. So thank you. Thank you very much. So in closing, I would like to invite everyone to check out a wide variety of industry thought leadership uh, at supplychainown.com. And you can find Digital Transformers and Supply Chain Noun wherever you get your podcasts. So be sure to subscribe. Uh, so on behalf of the entire team here at Supply Chain Noun, this is Kevin L. Jackson wishing all of our listeners a bright and transformational future We'll see you next time on Digital Transformers. Thank you for supporting Digital Transformers and for being a part of our global Supply Chain Now community. Please check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com. Make sure you subscribe to Digital Transformers anywhere you listen to or view the show and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Digital Transformers.